Hey everybody, Bonnie, Tim, Mike. Collectively, we're called the Vox Podcast. Tim is the V, I am the O, Bonnie is the X. Vox. Don't know what that means. Just trying out a new intro. Welcome to the podcast. I was thinking three of us, three letters, Tim V, more for kind of the shape of your t-shirts. And my tattoo, unfortunately. My unfortunate tattoo. Yeah, it's not unfortunate. Arms raised in a V. Yes, Pearl Jam. And then and then me O for body type. And then Bonnie (laughs) as Bonnie is the X Factor. Although, which chromosome are you? Are you XY or XX? I don't know I don't science. <laughs> oh, that's a new mug slogan. <laughs> I, I don't know science. Um, the chicken is in the oven. I am good at a few specialized things. The rest oh, has so gone true. out the window. So true. So true. The other day I uh, said to Sai, please don't make me talk right now. Yep. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Have you heard the, um, you know, that, that colloquial kind of anecdotal statement that guys have like thousands of fewer words yes, that yes, they want to yes, use per day. And mm-hmm. so I'll, I'll say to Jesse, like, I'm all out of words. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm done here. I'm all out of words. I so feel like sometimes Shauna you. has to tell me that I'm all out of words. She'd be like, all right, time out. Shh. We need a. I need a second. I have a lot of words. I need. I ne- they're never the right words. Like I'm always like like to Chip instead of saying wash your hands, I'll be like Chip, mm. go get in bed. And he's like it's three. I'm like oh, I meant hey, just you know what I meant. He's like I really didn't wash though, your- mom. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so, I spend so- almost all my time with a three year old. So when an adult yeah. comes home, I'm like I want to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. But you and start Sean's like, the conversation. I've been talking to people all day long. And I'm like, ah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's so funny. So funny. Um, hey, guys, I mean, just to sum this little little thing up, men are from Mars and women are from Venus. Wow. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a callback. <laughs> there there's is. a callback That's to some gender back. stuff. I don't know science. All right. <laughs> so last episode... Um, in, in the outro to our conversation with Alan, uh, Tim Stafford, Timothy, John Stafford dropped some bombs. Um, yes. And, uh, and so I thought we, as we were, as we were even talking, like during the episode, we're like, Ooh, this, this is a whole other conversation. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen, Timothy, John Stafford, judgment, go, (laughs) So I was trying to ask a question at the end with a lot of words, but maybe I can be more concise now. Um, I was at something where somebody was talking about judgment and uh, and this how we should be living in fear of that and all this stuff. Oh and I was gosh. like, well, there's so many conflicting ideas within the Christ- under the Christian umbrella about this is heresy and we'll send you to hell. And other viewpoints are like, there is no hell. Don't worry about it. And all over the spectrum... Or, you know, there is no judgment or you should be afraid of judgment. Uh, and so I was like, man, it's difficult to parse out the way that we live under that idea because uh, there's so many conflicting messages on it. So is that, yes. does that sum it up in a smaller in a smaller package? Right. So what, what, what exactly are we judged for? Yeah. And why is there so much disagreement? Is that right? 
Yeah, and then so much fear, obviously, uh, yes. within people that are like, I don't want to spend eternity in a lake of fire. So, <laughs> just if I had, I mean, them. just if the if the Almighty asked me my preference, I would go with. <laughs> Are we voting here? Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd go with uh, I'd go with eternal life. Yeah. Oh, so good, dude. Um, so. Bonnie, how do you want to how do you want to process this? I want to process this in uh, John three. Whoa, that's how Whoa. I want to start. Well, then let's let's giddy up, man. Okay, so when Jesus, you know, is talking about being born again, he's talking to Nicodemus, and he's talking about eternal life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The Jewish understanding of eternal life is not how we've made it to be, just like this end thing, this like you mm. tune or burn. Um, hopefully you've lived well. It's like yeah. more of this ushering in of the kingdom daily and that mm. you there's like this choice that you make as if you're ushering the heaven or you're ushering in hell. So, for example, if I'm sitting there and I'm doing things that's mi- like that is literally making hell for me and people, that's judgment mm-hmm. in and of itself. Am I- okay, oh, King- hold on. Kingdom dynamics from the cosmos? Yes. <laughs> no, but hold on. You're saying two separate things there that are both really important. Okay, pick. Go ahead, pick it apart. No, no, no not pick apart. I just want to make sure people are picking up what you're putting down. Totally. Um, Smelling what you're judgment in. that heaven and hell are both now and not yet realities. Yes. Yes. So we've always I, we've always heard them framed as in the future, but there's also a sense in which. You can align yourself with the heavens, or you can align yourself with hell. How you know? However, um, by how you live and act and treat other people today, correct? Yes. And then the second thing you said that was super important is that often sin is its own judgment. Yes. Like there's not very often in the Bible, um, the judgment of sin is carried within the sin itself. Exactly. It's its own prison. Right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so get a couple more sentences on that. Yeah. So, if we look at it that way, um, when we're talking about judgment, I, I just think I'm not saying that we there's not necessarily, and I honestly just haven't done enough work recently. I mean, I was that person that when I became a, like a understanding Christian, the first book I read was Web- Revelation because I was terrified, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> which didn't help mm-hmm. by any means. Um, but um, what I'm saying is, is I'm saying there's sometimes too much of a focus on that. So I don't want, yeah. I want to pose the question of what are we living in fear of? Because if we're living in fear of just an end reality, I sometimes mm-hmm. think that that fear and worry is its own judgment in and of itself on today. That like we're mm, not sure. stepping in to new life daily if all we're worried about is what's going to be happening at the end of the thing. Mm-hmm. No, I, absolutely. And, and because sin as well as virtue are, is formative, mm-hmm. right? You become, the more you, the more you participate in it, the more you become like the thing you're participating in, right? right. So, so if you give yourself over to lust, you become lustful. You become mm-hmm. lust in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, to money, to the love of money, you become greed, right? I mean, so there's right. this, there's this character formation that not only accompanies whatever the the sin itself carries. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? I would agree. I would agree. It's like um, 
to put it in like just very simple terms, like it's all these little things that make up a big thing. I mean, it's like how mm-hmm. we spend, how how we do anything is how we do everything, you know? So, yep. So back to John 3. Sorry I interrupted you, but you, you threw two out really, you threw out two very thick theological concepts. Yeah. And I just wanted to make sure people were hearing because I know what you mean. Right, right, right. Thank but, you. But those are those are those are really heavy. Yeah. Um. And and shockingly, you know, debated. Yes. Yes. <laughs> understandings. <laughs> no, I agree. Well, so I just when Nicodemus asked this, I mean, he's like this guy who knows his scriptures, he knows his teaching, and he's just trying to find the answer. Like, how can I be born again? How can I do this? And mm-hmm. Jesus says, mm-hmm. "You have to be born again." And he says, "I can't enter back into my mother's room," and it's this weird thing because jesus is like you're you're totally missing it because um to be born again is to have eternal life like they're one in the same so there's this Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. there that like it's all sort of wrapped up within each other like baked into the whole thing is how we spend our days is how we spend our lives like how we Mm -hmm. make Mm -hmm. heaven and hell today like we can actually do that as a reality um, yep. And so what I'm wondering, though, is the I want to pose a question against the idea of what we're doing today is somehow going to be with the end of things. It's just going to be about belief. Hmm. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because I'm I think they're so intertwined, but we've separated them so much. Oh, man, Bonnie, this now you're now you're cooking. Cooking. That other stuff was cooking, but this, this is <laughs> that boiling. Chicken, that chicken is in. <laughs> chicken is so in a there. very hot <laughs> oven right now. Yep, yep. If if someone said, "What's in the oven?" somebody else would say, "Chicken." The chicken or the chicken. <laughs> um, Bonnie, I think that's I think that's absolutely absolutely critical. Um, the judgment is both now and not yet, for sure. Um, the the but the biggest misunderstanding around judgment at least as we think about it, is the idea that it pertains to having the right beliefs. Now, clearly, so so I'm going to riff a little bit here, and I, I cannot wait to see what you guys think. Great. I can wait, but, you know, I'm eager to see what you guys think. Um, Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, so, so I see judgment. Um, I see a lot of the judgment of Yahweh, um, and the judgment of Jesus placed on the leaders of Israel. Um, now, the people suffered when their leaders were judged because if their leaders were leading poorly, they, you know, in often cases they were, um, and that resulted in God's judgment. Obviously, the nation would be affected. Right. But a lot of the harsh words of judgment are given to the religious leaders, and so they're not applicable to everybody. Uh, that's why James says it's it's you know be be don't be eager to be a teacher because there is a harsher judgment for you. So one one of the things I want to say to Tim initially is hey what are you judged for? Well, um, you're you're judged first and foremost um, not as a teacher, <laughs> right? I mean there there's like there seems to be this extra thing. I mean in First Corinthians three 
or is it Second Corinthians? I don't remember where Paul's talking about. Oh, I think it's First Corinthians, where where Apollo swatted and Paul planted, and and then they they built the house, but that house will be judged, right? He's talking about them as leaders being judged, but we take that image to mean, oh, I, I make I may make it, but just you know, I smell like smoke when I show up. No, no, no. That's talking about God testing the leadership, um, and the and the and the. Um, the rootedness of what a church leader has done. Now, I'm not saying church leaders are special. I'm just saying Jesus and Yahweh point them out as special in one very specifically negative way, which is they will be a, they will be held accountable for their leadership over God's people. Make, does that make sense so far? So the first thing I want to say is, listen, a lot of the, the fear passage stuff, um, a lot of that's directed at religious leaders, right? So, so often hell is invoked in the New Testament, around religious discussions about inclusion and exclusion mm -hmm. and and that Jesus is always he's he very much uh, affirms some of the Jewish expectancy around judgment but reverses a lot of the other parts um, that it's the religious leaders who will be judged and it is the the others who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness that will be welcomed into the kingdom so so um, so so, Bonnie, when you go back to that, um, the idea that we're separating our believings from our livings, mm -hmm. the only place I, I, I think Jesus was so, so clear. Uh, if you hear these words of mine and you put them into practice, you are like somebody who builds a house in sturdy ground. And if you hear these words of mine and do not put them into practice, um, you are like somebody who builds a house in the middle of a creek bed that could flood, mm -hmm. right? You are, we are ultimately judged by what we do. Now, part of the doing that we're judged for is trusting Jesus um, uh, for his salvation. And so in one sense, there's nothing I can do or not do to earn or merit that gift. Right. But there is something I do or not do um, to to face judgment as one who now is on the inside of God's people and not the outside. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yep. Timothy? Yep. I'm just parceling through it as you go. Oh, I'm making it up as I go. So we can, <laughs> we're, at least we're together. So so for me, if if somebody were to say, I mean, Jesus Jesus says it himself, like, You'll call me Lord, Lord, but I will say I never knew you. Mm -hmm. And the new there isn't, it's the relational knowing. It's like Adam knew his wife. It's like, it's not just, um, or why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really yeah. is that simple. How, uh, you know, in First John goes nuts. I mean, if you love him, obey his freaking commandments. It's that, I mean, right. it really is that simple. And so whatever it is that you know in your head, obey that. And if you don't know where you land on women in ministry or speaking in tongues, fine. You're not judged for that. It's, it's the abuse of power that causes church leaders to use the threat of punishment to back into non-essentials um, and turn them into essentials that God will judge most harshly. Absolutely. So you're saying it's... Um what we do with our power or our privilege that God is in terms of the church leaders, that God is going to judge not what you believe and stuff. If that makes sense. Okay. No, 
thank you for saying that. I said it so I, eloquently. Doctrine, what you believe in. No, stuff. but doctrine, but doctrine absolutely, <laughs> doctrine absolutely matters because okay. Paul says to Timothy, you know, uh, persevere in doctrine, or you know, watch, he uh, teach sound doctrine, because if you persevere in sound doctrine, you will save both you and your hearers. Now, so there's some, there's some, and again, it's back to the previous episode of it's, there's some of the revealed faith that is, and it was the pronouncement of the, of Jesus, right? It was that message in Acts that's transformative and saving. Absolutely. That's true. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, hold on. I don't get that. I'm because if, if it's going to save both you and your hearers, I think I've heard that out of context yeah. as then the hearers are taken off the hook. We can go to church. We can attend church. We sit there. It's on him. I heard it. Doesn't really matter what I, I do. I'm under his and authority. I'm trying, Does that make sense? And I'm trying to say there's something to that. I know. I'd, I'd, just, I'd never say it that way, but I cannot. There is, there. It, it seems to me there's so much prophetic critique of kingship um and uh, priesthood in the old testament mm -hmm. and then again what's jesus doing when he when he's talking about all the judgment passages they're all in the context of religious abuse right right and um the the seven woes to the pharisees i mean my goodness or some will be cast outside those are all parables talking about israel those aren't parables talking about the last days for christians those are parables talking about the judgment to come on Israel, and that judgment was real, and it happened in AD 66 with the Jewish War, right? The Roman Jewish War, and and so somebody like N.T. Wright will say, "Listen, yes, judgment is real. It's prefigured in um, in Jesus, but it's also hinted at in Paul and the epistles, and pictured and symbolized in Revelation. But so much of the judgment that Jesus was talking about was an actual historical judgment that happened." Mm. right mm -hmm. on the jewish nation for their rejection of the messiah that judgment happened so the big thing i'm trying to say not saying it clearly is that so so when we get to judgment talk you have to be super careful about who is the object of the judgment because we all read judgment as it pertains to me automatically and yeah. i'm saying no First point, so much of it's to church leaders. So here's this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 where we talk about, um, you know, do you build on the rocks? Do you build with um, wood, hay, and stones? Or do you build with precious metals and your work will be tested? I always thought that was talking about us individually. If you read the context, that's talking about Paul and Apollos being judged as church leaders. Mm, I'll yeah. get to your question in just a second, but, I, but I'm trying to frame it in... And then my second point is... That very often when Jesus is talking about judgment, he's actually talking about a literal thing that's about to happen. Mm, okay. You see, you know, when he talks about, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to be pregnant in those days. Yeah. Um, so much of his discourse is in Matthew 24, 25. Yes. Right. And again, I, these are all hugely theological controversial points, but I think a really great case can be made that what he's referencing there is the the judgment to come through uh, the Roman army and the destruction of Jerusalem and and, uh. and and the fact that the temple will not, you know, 2000 years later even exist. Does that make sense so far? Yes. So my first response is, hey, we have to be super careful who the the object of judgment is. Now, for you, your point is, well, but then does that leave us off the hook? Absolutely not. And here's the reason. As 
as carriers and inheritors of the Spirit of God, and as um, individual disciples of Jesus, we are called to simply to obey. Now, what you may be obeying, right, could be could be something we would disagree with, right? So, right. so here I am. I'm a woman. I'm called to teach. I'm called to preach. I'm in a church um, that doesn't allow me to do that, um, and my obedience is to not do that, right? Um, uh, who's held more accountable there? You know, let's say the egalitarian position's right. Who's held more accountable? Well, obviously, the teacher is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I think Alan is right that in the, the eyes of the New Testament writers, there is a guarding doctrinal function that these church leaders are supposed to um, provide that's different from the expectations on the people who are under their guardianship. Yeah. Does it make sense? <laughs> So you're saying that was the most I, no, I'm unconvincing. Sorry. I, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just processing. Everybody's processing. Yeah, I'm just computing. Well, I don't. Yeah. So when you're saying, like in that example you gave, and you're like, who's who's judged more harshly in that in that scenario about the about the woman? You're saying the pastor for what he's teaching on that issue. Yeah. No. No. I'm using a secondary issue to illustrate judgment that I think only comes around first order issues but but yes so let's say or let's say that i'm teaching that um jesus isn't the only way to salvation okay and that there are many paths to god um and you uh you are a sincere open-hearted i'm open to god i'm looking i'm reaching i'm seeking i'm finding and you get hit by a bus when you hear that dang um is who who is judged more harshly? Well, I think according to the scriptures, it's the teacher of those things. Got it. And now, now, again, are we off the hook? Well, in one sense, yes, that's why James says not many of you should aspire to be teachers. Mm-hmm. But in another sense, not even remotely, because, you know, I heard this quote long ago, Bonnie, and I know you've heard me say it, and but we've been educated far beyond our willingness to obey. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when Tim, you bring up like, well, isn't it just love God, love neighbor? Hell yeah, it is. That's all it is. Or, or Paul will say it even more directly. The only thing that counts is faith working itself out in love. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And, I, and that stuff all makes sense with the, you know, I my brain is crowded, so I tend to hold on to little nuggets. And so obviously Gombas's uh, dynamics thing was for me has been playing itself out over and over and over again and leaning yeah. into those dynamics and how it's that the, and Bonnie, you just said it too. the small, all the small things that make into the larger picture. And Mike, you illustrated with like, if you give in to lust, you become less like, so leaning into these dynamics within. So if I'm leaning into those kingdom dynamics and they're, and they literally are spearheaded by, you know, love the Lord, your God and love your neighbor and then the and then that bleeds out into if i'm leaning into that that bleeds out into everything mm-hmm. right. right because it becomes mm-hmm. the it's, dynamics it's, under which i operate and you become the kind of person who is fit for the new creation right mm-hmm. so there's a sense in which bonnie your talk about eternal life comes in here and i don't know that this is true i like the sound of it but uh, I've heard it talked about this way. 
that um, judgment is becoming the kind of person that would not welcome new creation mm. and that salvation is becoming the kind of person who would. So that when you new say creation that arrives, I don't know. Judgment uh, is becoming the type of person that would not welcome, would not welcome new, creation. new creation. Salvation is the type of person that would. Yes. So it's it's the image of Jesus saying, listen, the people love the darkness instead of the light. Yeah. Um, it's the God of this age has blinded the minds and eyes of unbeliever. I mean, that kind of idea. But, but it's, I mean, it, again, this is the part that I don't know. But the judgment is on the kind of person you are becoming, not the kind of thing that you have believed. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, so uh, you can affirm, you can look at Jesus and affirm the, uh, um, you know, the Nicene Creed, uh, but the judgment will come upon the greed, um, the racism, the sexism, the lust, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And I want to throw my favorite thing is to throw wrenches in there. And <laughs> what I want to do, do is, in terms of teaching, in terms of church leadership, right, and the and yep. what we just yep. what we just talked about in light of that. I would like to explore the possibility that. (laughs) (laughs) Look at you go. Look at you go. I love this. This is Bonnie. Bonnie being incredibly diplomatic with some fiery thing. Okay, let's hear it. I would like to explore the possibility that could it be possible that when we're talking about uh, judgment on teachers, it is what they teach. It is also how they hold the teachings and how they teach others to hold the teachings. And like, I think that there is a inherent problem in what we've been discussing. If you are a teacher and you tell somebody something and then they're just supposed to believe it versus teaching people to wrestle with it. Because if wrestling with things Mm -hmm. creates in us salvation or judgment creates in us heaven and hell. And, and that's how we get there right is like through this wrestling and this dialogue and making choices and discerning and working it out every day if we're not taught to do that then i think that yeah. there's an inherent problem there right so what i'm saying is so the judgment 1, not only on what they're teaching but how they're teaching and how they're teaching us to discern through it well think about the the critiques in matthew um woe to those who love the places of honor. They sit in Moses' seat. You right. should do what they say, um, but not do what... You should do what they say, but not do what they do. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's, it's... Yes, of course. Of course. Of course it is. Yeah. And it was that it was that very same insistence that caused, in some cases, them to miss Jesus altogether, right? Mm-hmm. Um so so let's let I I my philosophy brain needs to summarize. When we talk about judgment, it is a real thing. It it is there are thousands or hundreds of passages that warn about judgment. That is true. There is. And there seems to be one big one which seems to be the who are the people fit for the coming kingdom and who are the people that are not fit mm-hmm. for the coming kingdom. I don't know. We've talked about how that resolves, whether people die, whether everyone is saved in the end, or whether people are eternally and consciously tormented forever. So we're going to sidestep that issue for now. <laughs> there, So, I mean, huge issue, but we've spent yeah. lots of podcast yeah. space on it. So 
Um, then the issue becomes, okay, uh, for those who, who are part or want to be a part of the kingdom movement, there seem to be strains of teaching um, in, the, in the Gospels about different sort of accountabilities. Teachers seem to be held responsible for their, not just for themselves, but for their, their, their gospel, their teaching. Absolutely. Right. Um, there's also the strain of teaching that says judgment isn't always something external. Sometimes it's built into the thing itself. Right. Right. And a lot of the Old Testament Hebrew words for disaster come from the words for sin and transgression, which is interesting. Right. Um, kind of su supporting that idea. There's also the idea that judgment isn't just something in the future, that God, you know, Romans 1, God is presently, his wrath is presently being revealed against unrighteousness. And, it, and it's being revealed that way by God giving people over to their lusts, right. to their desires, to their whatever. So God's giving over um, can be a form of judgment. Um, then you have the, the warnings about um, you know, time, talent, treasure, you know, all those sorts of things. I think a lot of that is, is about Israel and about the coming judgment to Israel. And this is all into right stuff. Um, so I refer you to that. I, but I do think if there is a test for, uh, believers and test is the, the worst word possible. It's about the kind of person you've become mm -hmm. as a so-called kingdom person mm -hmm. that is far more important than the, the beliefs that you hold. Now, there is a direct connection between the beliefs you hold and the kind of person you become. Yeah. Right? You cannot outrun the vision of your picture of God. This is a Greg Boyd point. That, that how, to whatever degree your picture of God is true and good and beautiful, you will begin to reflect that picture of God. And to the, to the degree that your, your picture of God is that he is um, punitive and mean and angry, you will reflect that vision of God, right? Yeah. So your theology absolutely matters. But as an unpersecuted, very inward-focused church in America, we have time to parse out differences rather than ever having to be forced to focus on similarities. And so what we've done is created an environment where there are so many places of disagreement um, and, and I think one of the great gifts of, of coming, whatever persecution looks like, one of the great gifts of that will be, listen, I don't care if you're a six-day creationist or you're not. I don't care if you believe right. no one the ark was universal or global. I don't care if you believe that, that there were, um, that Jericho was literally destroyed or, I mean, you know, we don't have time for that. You know, in China, they're not wrestling or Iran or Afghanistan. Christians aren't wrestling with these things. Um, they're focused on becoming kinds of people. And so to me, that then becomes uh, the area of judgment. And that's why hypocrisy for Jesus was the number one issue with religious leaders, right? Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And uh, that's why he has such a big deal. So for me, I read Jesus, I read Paul, um, I read Revelation, and yes, absolutely judgment, but it's so different and differently applied than kind of our standard version where I stand before the pearly gates, right. God asks me a question, and I answer either, I give the right answer or the wrong answer, and then I'm in or not. Yeah. That is so not the images that we're That is That, that is the, the literal, actual gospel I was taught growing up. 
Yes. It that is God so will replay my whole life mm-hmm. on yep. a movie screen in front of everybody. Oh my gosh. Yes. I I like just I think I blocked that out. And now yep. you've brought and it. And then up. I would just be like, remember how I told you I am actually the worst center in the room? <laughs> yeah, remember I kept saying well, you guys all take go. a seat. Get your popcorn. I am. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're gonna have a vote after and I think I'll win. And I think I'll win that. Uh, no now, Tim, is this is this helping? So so Again, I ask you a question and then begin to talk. Tim, is this is this helping clarifying or what? Yes. Oh, you dirty dog. Wait, I, I want to say no, more. I, I think it's I think it's fascinating. Things that are frustrating for me are and I and I'm just talking on top of my head. But the fact that everything that you're saying, yeah, makes total sense. I see the lineage through the through the thinking. And, th- and, and the way that you're connecting things, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, oh, that makes sense. Yes, 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 yes. The amount of, like, study that it took for you to understand that lineage can be frustrating when, uh, for for the layman, right? And I say the layman with the utmost respect and the utmost dignity, being a layman myself, that, like, just we like you guys were just talking about like the we i i was i had that that idea too that i'd get to heaven and be like oh look at this list oh nope sorry right Right. so that tends to be the overwhelming understanding of this this impending judgment um Mm -hmm. and then you got all this from all that study and it's like that's that that's the frustrating and confusing aspect is like man does it take that much work and study for everybody to land at the correct understanding of judgment I know. Well, it, it, I mean, that's why you follow people and they work it out and you like go, hey, I heard this thing where judgment did this yeah. or whatever. Um, but to that point, that exact that exact frustration that you have, I have felt that so many times. And that's the exact reason why um, I did Tim Shaw. So that someone oh, could pick up the path. There it is. I know I didn't want to do it, but I'm at the same time I did because it's like that's the exact problem is that even if you even Tim, if I've like done all this reading or research or anybody else has, I still have this like, but when I was 15, they told right. me, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, because I think part of the problem is that we have the Bible and then we have all this stuff around the Bible that we've been taught about. But no one's going back into the script. You know what I mean? And wrestling there. We're wrestling kind of all around it. And then that can be really confusing. So I hear you. Yeah. And, and, uh, I mean, some would say, well, you know, freaking get into it. I mean, like, like, bro, there's some really great stuff. Like a lot of the work's been done. It's just not a priority. But at the same... Oh, um, go ahead. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. I was just going to say, <laughs> going back to what I thought earlier, <laughs> I do think that's part of the problem with the mega church culture we live in. There isn't is, a, hey, let's get into it. Hey, wrestle. Hey, dig. Hey, let's do this. Right. They're, they're, that's not right. happening. Conversations like that aren't happening or they're not happening up front or they're not having truthfully or vulnerably. So like, I, I get it. I get why people are like, it's confusing. Like, yes, of course, someone, anybody could go and read a book on their own. A, they don't know where to start. B, they don't even know mm-hmm. sometimes that they're allowed. Do you know what I mean? Like, and so I think or that the they need system. to, if you've never been, if you haven't been, if you've only been told this traditional idea of judgment, 
You just that's just your. And truth. this is what you think. And so I just like. So you wouldn't even know to go. That's what I meant when I was mm-hmm. like judgment. I want to raise the question about judgment on pastors and teachers on how we're presenting this stuff and how right, we're affording exactly. people yeah, into wrestling that. with it. Because if we're not doing that, I think that's just as big of a problem as if you're teaching false doctrine. Absolutely. I'm reminded, I think it's third John where uh, John names somebody and just as an aside, he says, and so-and-so comma who loves to be first comma <laughs> and then goes on and there's a, so good. you know, so, so absolutely, absolutely. There was that absolutely. There was that, <laughs> but I just, I want to, I, I, the reason I keep emphasizing the teacher part is um, because so many teachers use this fear mm-hmm. to manipulate yeah. and, and they may not even know they're doing it um, and guilt people into Jesus following because this is what the gospel turns out mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And we just want to say, listen, no, hell, hell something. It's uh, Jesus isn't warning. He's not warning about nothing. There's something to this. Absolutely. I don't, I think our popular imagination has been very much polluted by the Left Behind series mm. and by Visions of Heaven that that others have, um, and and so so that doesn't heresy is when the, a small thing becomes a main thing. Mm, yeah. And so, uh, right, that was from Alan Hirsch. Yeah. And I thought that was such a brilliant thing because then our job when when people want to say no, the main thing about judgment is what happens when you die. We want to be the people that's like no, that's that's a thing, but that's not the main thing. And, and, um, and so we're not, uh, some of the stuff that we inherited has uh, kernels of truth to it, no question, but it, it's never the full picture. Um, and so, you know, for me, the, the judgment bit, I did a whole series on annihilationalism and I've been uninvited from speaking gigs because of that. And, and, um, and, and, and I was just trying to say, it seems like a valid biblical option. I'm not even sure if it's right or not. I'd love universalism to be right. Um, I don't know. I really don't. I really don't know. But it seems like there's scriptural openness to the idea that you uh, that you cease existing if you're not part of the new heavens, uh, the new creation. I don't know. Um, so some of these things get elevated to yeah. Banners, right? Mm-hmm. Like Fitch was Banners. talking about, where, yeah, where you know, if, if you're, you're not, not under of it, this, you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like, nah, they're just a, there are very few banners. Well, because um, the more banners you live under, the less chance people have to work things out and to make choices totally. and to become the people that believe. You know what I mean? It's all totally. Sort so of what about in. so what about the Mormon? What about the Mormon who was raised to believe? that Jesus of Nazareth is real, but Jesus is not part of a trinity, that Jesus isn't a unique savior, that Jesus, and, and again, some Mormons may even disagree with how I'm car- caricaturing their position. Um, but yeah, you sit and you trust this vision of Jesus. Or let's say you have, I love Rob Bell wrote in Love Wins. He's like, what if your missionary got a flat tire? And, um, you know, to me, the point of the book wasn't his universalism. It was the really profound questions of, well, how how much do you have to know (laughs) uh, before you're in? You know what I mean? 
And, um, and so, so people get so convoluted. I mean, like one of the answers I was taught was, well, the people who never heard, they live in those regions because God knew ahead of time they'd never accept him. That's a legit answer. I've heard that. Yeah. From massively smart Christians. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is nothing. That is intellectual gymnastics around the fact that you just are not willing to live in. We don't know. Yeah. Because I'm willing to say God loves that Muslim person. And if they're, if they've responded and you could say that God will, and, and this is what I've said before, God will find every heart open to him. Absolutely. Yeah. In one way or another. And I believe that, no question. But I'm also open to the possibility that somebody who is Muslim who Jesus appears to in a dream over and over again to the point where they're like, this Jesus thing is real, but, uh, but I'm culturally Muslim. I live in Afghanistan and I don't know what to do. So I'm going to worship Jesus, but I'm going to worship Jesus as a Muslim. I'm open to the possibility that Jesus receives that person. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, I just, and, and, you know, we've done podcasts on this, so there's backstory, but all that is to say, um, I don't, I, I just, when Jesus, when he teaches about judgment, it's always a surprise. Yeah, yeah, and So yeah. the fact that we think we got it figured out just say, drives me insane. That should be our litmus test that, oh, wait, we've gone too far now. <laughs> we think we've gotten it. <laughs> we've pegged it down. God, you can't, you can't bring in a, a Muslim. You can't do that, right? I mean, you're just like, ah. Uh, and, and again, that's where the the boomerang of judgment comes in. Whatever standard, whatever measure you use, that will be measured against you. Yeah. Like Jesus isn't freaking kidding when he says that stuff in the Sermon on the Mount. That's a gospel dynamic too. Right, right, right. That if you're going to sit and you're going to hold judgment with such a strict cipher, um, then that will that's what you'll have to pass through too. I mean, and it's just it's just one of the dynamics of the kingdom. Right. Homie, don't play that. <laughs> so that's why I hate self-righteousness. That's why I hate hypocrisy. Those are the things that disqualify you from the kingdom. Right there. Right there. Self-righteousness because you don't think you need it. And hypocrisy because you pretend that you're better than you are. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you guys are so fun right now. Oh, I just thought of this is like, I well, that is one of my like my biggest like hill I'm gonna die on I cannot stand when people um like act self-righteous or like the rules don't apply to them or they can do whatever they want does that make sense like even just mm. in society oh, yeah. that really bothers me and um I invent parking spaces okay. my wife gets so mad at me you are that person is that, and is that what we're talking about yes and I have a scale I have a scale <laughs> that I discuss this with, with my husband okay do you guys remember oh, I love it. Ryan Lochte yes of course. Okay. The Rio, he was uh He's the gold medalist in Rio swimmer. And then he got like in big trouble because he's in Rio and he decides he can just go and like vandalize this bathroom and oh, right. like totally that. tear it. It was like so disrespectful. And so yeah. anytime somebody is doing something, I say like on a scale of one to Lochte, it's it was like a seven. <laughs> wow <laughs> because it was like just this moment wow. and i was like no don't um and i just hated so, it so 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 i have to ask mm -hmm. just personally okay if we're if we're driving somewhere there's no place to park but there's this strip of grass that's clearly not a parking space 
and yet it's there's enough room for a car and i pull into that space and um and then we proceed to get out what how far lofty is that i think you're you're hovering at a four at a four, okay. At a four. Okay. I can live unless with it, anything under unless five. Unless it was my grass, then you're hovering at like a <laughs> Well, that's lochty. what I was going to say. What? <laughs> and you're at a lochty. But I, so My manicured lawn that I'm trying to keep alive and you park your truck on it. Okay. But here's so the thing. Fair. Somebody is trying to keep that alive. Yeah. And you're driving Absolutely. over Absolutely. But see, it's a little different in Ohio because I mean, the grass is undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> like grass wins. There's no like in California. It's different because you're in a freaking desert trying to build grass. Yeah. Here, I mean, literally after the zombie apocalypse, two years down the road, you wouldn't even recognize this place. It the, the, it will take over that quickly. So I feel confident <laughs> that when I'm at a school and I'm running late for a soccer game and there is a strip of grass, I know darn well that grass will live forever. Well, you know what? Next time you park, I want you to uh, think. Just notice if this scale goes in your head. See, it will not. Bonnie, Mike is using science right now. I know. Yes. That was science. The highest we've gotten in our house in terms of discipline is a seven. Whoa. Do you want to know what it was? Wow. Yeah, of course. We were on. The, and I love that you want to tell us. I do. We were on, <laughs> <laughs> we were on the Zilker Zephyr, which is like a tiny train oh in the middle goodness. of Zilker Park in Austin. Okay. Okay. And okay. we're going, and they've just announced no hands in the week. You know, keep your hands in. Oh yeah, thing. yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in front with my friend and Scout, my friend's son and Chipper in the seat behind it. That's my that's my fault. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? And all of us we're <laughs> <First> driving, <of> all, <laughs> and I hear the kid giggle, and I hear Chip say, "Mom, look at me." Oh boy. I turn. Chip has jumped ship. And is running as fast as he can to try to beat the train, but jumping on and off the car. Oh, I love it. And I know. And it was this moment. That's not a lofty. That's brilliant. <laughs> it was this moment where I was like, the rules, you have to follow the rules. The rules apply to you. At the same, yeah. this is my conflict in parenting. I had only I sisters. It. I had only girl cousins on both sides. And he has this wild spark. And it oh, yeah. just gets this idea, and I both love oh, yeah. it and hate it, and I'm at an yes. eternal conflict with it. <laughs> so that was a Lochte 7? It was a 7. Now, let me – okay, so you Chip because got a 7. He got a 7. Now, let me ask you this question, and this is a little I think the scale body. changes as you get older, but yes, go ahead. Does the act of having a scale and placing people on it is that does that act itself re, uh, receive a, a lofty judgment? It probably does. I would like to say though, I didn't tell Chip of the scale. He doesn't know that exists. Only Psy does. <laughs> well, now thousands of people do. Um, and again, I forgot others are listening. No, I love it. I love it. So, oh, so a couple books. If you want to read, if you're interested more in this, um, simply in oh, no, judgment, surprised by not hope. Ryan Lochte. <laughs> right. Yes, well, you can read about Lochte. Um, surprised by Hope uh, by N.T. Wright is a great book. Um, there's a book uh, Preston Sprinkle edited. Our friend Preston Sprinkle edited. It was like Four Views on Hell. Um, really good for if you want a little more academic 
I mean, NC Wright's awesome, but but this is like four different views interacting with each other. Um, there, there's a book called uh, The Skeletons in God's Closet. Oh. And um, yeah, and that, okay. I think his name is Josh. He lives in Portland. I'll look it up. Um, oh, great book. Because you know, one of the things um, he talks about is that uh, judgment was good news. That that wasn't. Yeah, Joshua like, Butler. There it is. There you go. Um, the, but he has this whole section on judgment is actually good news. And he, he makes a super compelling case for why people like the poor in spirit, the meek, the merciful, mm. would um, be encouraged by the idea that, um, that, that leaders will be held to account. Um, Heaven is a place on earth by Michael Whitmer. And then um, Greg Boyd um, will talk a lot about judgment in his popular version of his like, you know, encyclopedic book. Uh, it's called Cross Vision. Oh, okay. And, um, and so he talks about uh, judgment there. So yeah, um, those I think are some great books. Bonnie, do you or Tim, do you guys have any you'd recommend? No. Nope. I should probably read <laughs> up on it, honestly. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's I think it's I think it's a phenomenal question. I yeah. I and and you know what, Bonnie? You know what's gonna be true? I'm gonna we're gonna end this episode. I'm gonna think of a thousand things I should have said. Oh yeah. We'll do more. So this is a great this is a great like audience participation. Like what else should we talk about? Yeah. And maybe yeah. we could find some find some folks to talk to. Um but I, but I think Tim, part of the disorienting of of Christianity these days is, are are just the conflicting reports about what's what and what's not, and there's a sense where my inner fundy comes out and it's just like guys, immerse yourself in Jesus. Just read the four Gospels, read them, and 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 just simply say, how can I do this? How can I put this into practice? Right? Read and if that's too much, read Matthew five, six, and seven. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And then just, God, help me to not, you know, manipulate with my words. God, help me not to whatever. Um, I mean, that's what discipleship and apprenticeship to Jesus looks like. Now, there are all sorts of spiritual disciplines. And um, our friend John Mark Comer has a whole bunch of stuff on um, on the practices of Jesus that help form us into Jesus kinds of people. But... Anytime I get bewildered, Tim, like you're talking about, there's just a beautiful simplicity in going back. I start with Luke and I just sit in Luke and I just read it. I'm like, this is incredible. This guy's incredible. I love this. I want to be like this. I want to be a part of this. Right. It just boils it all back down right. and um, and puts everything else kind of into perspective. So, you know, it'd be really helpful our... is if we could get um, God on the podcast. <gasps> Well, the rumor is that God is writing the foreword for Tim Show. <laughs> and so we'll get some signed copies. Um, no, uh, that would be what? great. And, and it'd be funny if Jesus be like, hey, dude, just read the book. You're good. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you know? He's like, just, I, already, I already answered that. I already said that. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, love God, love neighbor, bro. And um, <laughs> obedience, that's a good thing. Um, and, and here's the last thing I would say, um, 
How are you judged about being a husband? Tim, in your case, like, how are you how judged? Am I judged? Yeah. Well, is um, that is it according to what you believe about no. your wife? Right. But does what it. you believe about your wife? Yes, absolutely. Okay. No, you don't get it all yet because I got more. Oh. It's just the that's the most superficial <laughs> analogy. <laughs> but talk about that. How how is it that you work out a new identity? So you were single. And then you became married, and you were a husband. All right, so how long have you been married? We have been married 15. It will be, it's 14 years this year, coming up on 15. Okay. And are you a good husband? Uh, sometimes. Okay. Why doesn't that paralyze you? Why don't you just stop husbanding when you're a bad husband? Because I want to be a good husband. Why? Because I love my. Are you wife. rewarded? Are you re- rewarded for that? Well, I'm I'm rewarded with it in the in my wife being loved correctly and well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you feel Do you feel like so even when you don't do that, right? You're still motivated to love her, even when she's not lovable, right? There's still yeah. the the desire to love her. I mean, when I think of what what do you think the judgment of being a bad husband is? I mean, in the long term, like if I if we're speaking in the ways in which I was confused about judgment to begin with, then that would be her leaving, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Is yep. that what you're asking? Yeah, no, that would be but that would be one. But what about others? Would there be others? It's just I'm sorry, this is so so muddy. It's totally clear in my brain. Bonnie's looking like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where Erie's going, and Tim's like, dude, okay. Maybe we cut this. I have no idea, but let's just keep playing. All right. Uh, just strife and unhappiness and discomfort yes. and pain. and Yes. It is relational judgment. It is not judicial judgment. Right. And so we have in our brains a judicial framework for God, right? He is the judge. Here is the law. I am guilty. I am I am punished. Right? Yeah. That's one picture Paul uses, but it's not the picture that Jesus uses. Right? The the images that Jesus uses of judgment are all relational. I never knew you. Right? You're at the party, but you're not fit for the party. You're wearing the wrong clothes. So you're cast outside. Right? Those are all relational images of judgment. And so, um, so to me then, how you evaluate a marriage is how you evaluate, or any friendship, is how you evaluate a relationship with God, right? It's about the kind of person you are. It's about improvement, not perfection. It's about progress. It's about you would measure a good husband so differently than you would measure whether or not I'm a good Christian, Right? Because yeah. the good Christian bit, I mean, is being a good husband, taking her on a date night every every week, just because you're supposed to do that, is that what a good husband is? No. Is a good Christian just someone who reads their Bible because they're supposed to and go to church? No. Right? It's about your affection, your desire, your love. Whether or not, what makes you a good husband or not has to do with how you orient yourself to your spouse. Right? And whether or not you do that even when you fail. And that, to me, is now we're cooking. 
Hmm. Now we're cooking about what judgment means and what salvation means, right? And yes, what Bonnie said is true. It's built in, absolutely, and it's external also. Because yes, there is exile uh, um, in the promised land if you blow it. And there is exile in marriage if, if you're a bad husband long enough, absolutely. But the primary judgments aren't those. It's the fact that there's discord and there's fighting and there's, you know, your, your whole life is off. Yeah. When for those of us that are married, the marriage is off. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I don't know if this was worth it, but I, I thought there, there was something good in there. And Bonnie looks away and Tim is silent. <laughs> I liked it. There's, I mean, you always are acting like I have, how you rock, I doodle. Look at this Christmas tree. <laughs> that needs it. to be in there that needs to be in there so it's not it's like helps my create when i doodle i can think creatively about things look at this christmas tree needs to be <laughs> that's the needs to be mug. in there my legacy that's, will be nothing profound it'll be that is short false. one that line is very false that's very very false okay <laughs> Um, so I'm assuming we're going to keep that in and all right. So anyway, my friends, thank you so very much for listening. Thank you for participating in our community. Again, drop us a line at hello at voxpodcast.com or on social media. Uh, we'd love to know what you think about this and love your thoughts on it or any books that you'd recommend. Maybe we can have some further conversations And as always, if you would take the time um, to share this episode, uh, to subscribe to it on uh, and rate it on whatever podcast provider you use, and then check out voxpodcast.com for ways that you can financially partner with us. All of that is very appreciated, friends. Until next time, thank you. Thank you.